Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport podcast roundup. It wasn't a massive amount going on, but there were some dramatic moments this weekend in the world of motorsport. There's still much debate about Formula One and the rules and regulations, and we'll have a quick chat about that. There was a massive controversy in WRC. It came down to a baseball cap. And then on the other side of the pond in IndyCar, there was a bit of controversy, but it was more of a Balakava controversy. So uh, we'll come into that as well. If you're shaking your head, wondering what on earth I'm talking about. Uh, Toronto, there's a bit of racing there. There was Donington, uh, World Superbikes. Um, and New York, there was a Formula E race. Rain drama, rain drama. Yeah, there certainly was. NASCAR, there was door bagging drama. It was there were there were moments of drama, but no no really exciting races at the end in the full analysis. Well, let's go into each one, shall we? Let's start off with this Formula One. We like to start off with Formula One. This and it's cool. just a bit of controversy. Um, and it, have you read one, about it? Have you read about it? Yeah, I, I did. I, I, Apparently, the engineers aren't checking things properly, which. It sounds like a catering race. No, no, no. I take that back because the scrutineers are very thorough. <laughs> well, according to what I read on Twitter, it's rule 315.8, if you want to go and find out what that is. And I don't know what it's about, do you? It's about, it's about planks. and Apparently, skid blocks were being pushed into the floor, which skid blocks, I, I honestly don't know. But it's all too complicated for me to bother to investigate. But there's rumours that there's this regulation that you know keeps the, the ride height... Uh, at a, a certain point that's been broken and scrutinies aren't checking it. So Twitter says, I don't know. Do you believe everything you read on Twitter, Tiff? No, I'm just saying so <laughs> Twitter says. I'm just saying there could be a problem. <laughs> but anyway, so Formula One's going through a little little bit of a hiatus. And, but but I'm, I'm looking forward, although we'll go to the end of about this uh, Paul Ricard, because now that Mercedes are getting closer and Ferrari are now quicking straight line, big straight line circuit, Paul Ricard. Even it's, but even the teams are saying they're worried about track limits. <laughs> I think it was uh, Horner said, you know, the track limits are going to be a big problem. The whole trouble with Ricard, it, it was built as a test facility, which is why it's got these massive runoffs. You know, so it was built for safety, complete safety. So you couldn't hit anything anywhere. Um, but of course, you know, if you, if you run out of road there, there's, there's just horrible paints. It looks awful because of those stupid paints. And um, yeah, so they're already saying these track limits following to, from Austria could uh, be a big problem. Okay, let's let's move on to let's move on to um, World Rally Championships in yeah. Estonia. I just the want to start off with something. I just, I, I just want to start off with something before we go into the actual racing. You're obviously familiar with Appendix 4 of the 2022 WRC Sporting Regulations, Article 1.15. You're obviously familiar with that? Yeah, yes, of course I'm. Of course, of course. Yeah. Professional so, so, driver, so, I read these things. Yeah, so you're not allowed to uh, attend the press conferences or the, or the podium or anything like that without your sponsor's hat on. And, of course and, not. Uh, I, I know which everybody knows, of course. So... Uh, but uh, Mr. Tanak has um, has been found guilty of doing so. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. I get it with the sponsors. They put a lot of money into it. Oh, yeah, it. they do have to. But, okay, but I think that what, what it's the fuss they made about the FIA, or I don't know which one, the World Endurance Race. But, you know, it was a pretty, it was a pretty dull rally as this kid, Cali Rovampera, just romped to another win. You know, on day one, when he had to start on the surface, so he's the road sweeper, you know, Elfin Evans briefly led, we all got excited. 
But as soon as it was level pegging, Robin Perrigs overtook him. He won by over a minute. And then Elfin was nearly, not Elfin, Octelic in third, was in two minutes behind. Rallying at the moment, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. It's a Calais march to, to victory. Um, it's a bit sort of Toyota, obviously, better than Hyundai still. Hyundai have got two great drivers, you know, with Tanak and um, Neuville. And uh, then the Fords are sort of third best. So it's very much manufacturer pacing. Uh, the two Toyotas came out in front, two Hyundai's were third and fourth. And the best Ford was um, Adrian Fulmer in seventh. Craig Breen fell off on the first day early on. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was a dull rally. But um, then this scandal, and so it was all investigated. It wasn't like sort of a quick behind the scenes, you know, come on, you've got to wear your hat, here's your $3,000 fine. It was a, went to the, I mean, stewards. <laughs> and Ott said it, Ott said it, because I think there were two podiums. You have a podium for the uh, super stage, which are the last stage, the, the special extra stage, forget the name of it. And then there's also the podium for the final results. I think he said he got, he got, it got soaked in champagne for the first podium, so I didn't wear it. And then they checked back. They went into the steward's room and got all the video and checked. No, you weren't wearing it at the first podium either. And so it went on until they come out with a $4,000 fine that's suspended for two months or a year. And, and well, just he make... had to pay $1,000, 1000 euros, actually, 4,000 euros, which is pretty much parity for the first time ever, um, dollars and euros. But it's 1,000 euros <laughs> and the 3,000 was suspended over the next two years. So there you go. It has to be a bad rules have to be a I think it was just a way all it was all investigated. It's a huge crime, you know, anyway. So anyway. Yeah, but the, the, the rally, do you know what, Tiff? It's a shame because these are some of the best drivers in the world, some beautiful places. Estonia is just stunning, but it just doesn't, it's not really for the spectators. I think unless you're there and you're one of those crazy yeah. people that run out yeah. on the road when they go past, it's just not really for television or YouTube, is it? It's not. It's no, not well, it is, it is in the evening. Highlight. Highlights are great because you've yeah. got to look at best shots here, but it's a live sport. I mean, there are a few people you, you can subscribe, can't you? WEC Live. You can have live on board all the parts. I mean, there are, there are plenty of fanatical rally fans that, that will subscribe to that and watch the rally live but it's all down to the stopwatch at the end so until you get to the end of the stage of the watch stops you don't really know who's winning and who's losing and we're talking about winning and losing just quickly on the world right the excitement british uh, interest in the in the, it's the world the junior the, the third formula three wrc3 junior um john armstrong came third and he's been leading the championship there's only one round to go now he still leads the championship he's got his two finished kids chasing him hard um, they're all with about four points with one running to go the acropolis in um in greece obviously if you know that thing so 27 year old northern Ireland, john armstrong go follow him on twitter he could be a british champion in, in the world rallies this if he can uh, hold on to his lead in in uh, greece well done john keep it up <laughs> good stuff um, do you want to go, because there's not that much going on, do you want to go over to America with IndyCar? More is, clothing, is more quite, clothing it, drama. It is more quite funny. <laughs> it is quite funny. Uh, and, and we're golf fans. We watched um, Aussie Cameron Smith win the Open yesterday separately, but um, he's got a mullet, and uh, and we're going to talk about mullets in IndyCar as well. Not quite a mullet. Colton Herster is. He's just got an awful lot of hair. <laughs> and, of course, he's just returned from his uh, McLaren test in... in um, uh, Portimao, so he's, he's a big name at the moment. He was running, say, lead early on. He was on pole down in uh, an amazing track, Toronto. I predicted last week would be a great race. It was a bit disappointing, a bit procession at the end. Um, Scott Dixon got past him on the pit stop strategy to go on to his 52nd win, Scott Dixon. He's now level with Mario Andretti in the second most winners, uh, still 15 behind AJ Foyt. 
So Scott Dixon crewed to win. Uh, Rossi was second, and he was being caught by um, Felix Rosenquist, who's battling to stay in IndyCar with McLaren, so he needs some good results. <laughs> Apparently, uh, um, uh, Colton's balaclava burst, and all his hair started coming around the front of his face. <laughs> he talks about an interview, so, so well, I, I can sort of see Rosenquist turning into turn four, but I couldn't see him anymore because he probably couldn't see the mirrors and anything. So he had to battle to the finish, to finish second. Um, well, Rosenquist had a clash with um, Alexander Rossi, so more control. Poor old Rossi was at a miserable time. He's about 14th or 15th in the points, I think, now. Uh, but he clashed with his teammates, Roman Grosjean, at mid-Ohio, went into the barriers, had his steering wheel knocked out of his hand. And it happened again in Toronto. There's his famous hairpin at the end of the back straight. And Rosenquist, trying to prove that he's the McLaren driver to keep the IndyCar seat next year, uh, dived up the inside of his soon-to-be teammate, Rossi, and it was a bit unfortunate. They got and Rossi gave him plenty of room. They, they're good. I mean, you see, if you watch some of the Toronto races, the side-by-side stuff they do do with concrete walls both sides, um, they all know the limits. And Rossi gave him enough limit. But it's just that Rosenquist gave it a boot full coming out of the hairpin to try and complete the pass. And he just had a bit of oversteer that he straightened it up. And they were front wheel to front wheel, which knocked the steering out of Rossi's hand, which was happened last week, and speared him straight into the concrete wall. So Alexander Rossi not having a good time except he signed for McLaren next year, which is something which all this controversy is going on. Alex Palau doesn't know if he is or if he isn't. So because he's with Ganassi, who said he's staying, got a contract, and McLaren the same day so a week ago said, no, he's not, he's coming to us. So that's now in the courts of law. Um, and so McLaren have got so many drivers because they've got, they've already signed Rossi and they've still got <laughs> Pato Award. They've got Rosenquist, who doesn't know if he's staying in IndyCar or being shipped out to Formula E racing. Then there's also Palau, who could take everyone's seat. So huge. Could McLaren have four drivers for their three slots? But one, one in Formula E. Surely Daniel Ricciardo's got to go. Uh, he, he's got to make way to Yeah, but when he gets one more, that's why, you know, who knows? One of those could be in the Formula One car. He's, you know, he is he's one, one of the most popular men ever to drive a Formula One car. But I think... Yeah. I really do. So, so Balaclava Gate, uh, Balaclava Gate is uh, the highlight of our journalistic. Uh, yeah, um, good fight there for the championship. Because Scott Dixon winning, he's now within. He's in fifth place, but he's one win's worth of points away from from getting ahead of Marcus Ericsson at the top of the table. So, there's five of them covered by about you know one win with Will Power, Palo, and uh, Marcus Ericsson leading Joseph Newgarden. So, really good title fight building up in the IndyCar world. And tell me, Tiff, in IndyCar, like um, Formula One, they have um, undercards as well. There's, there was- there's Yeah, the Phoenix Series. Yeah, so there's, um, yeah. what else- More British, to... well, more British good news. So we had a British rally driver in Formula Three rallying, and we've got a British racing driver in Formula Three IndyCar. It's called uh, IndyCar Pro 2000. And uh, it's interesting actually, because um, it's 18 it's year old Louis Foster, who won again, he's extended his championship leave. And he chose to go to America because he, he was one of the four Autosport Award winners. So we got three, um, Ollie Behrman, Zach O'Sullivan and Johnny Edgar went to Formula 3 and they're battling every time there's a Formula 3 race. So they're staying, looking at that Formula 1 dream. I think Louis Foster and his dad thought, oh, we're not going to get there, but come on, boys, you're the chances, you know, of getting there. So he deliberately chose to move to America. And he, he won in Janetta's, what, four years ago, in British Formula 4, British Formula 3, 
Then last year was second in the Euro Formula, which was a Formula European Championship. Um, so he's gone off to America to do Indy Pro 2000. He's leading the championship by a big margin. If he wins the championship, there's over half a million dollars. because They've got this ladder up into the next formats that help drivers go. He'd be in Indy Lights next year if he wins it. So um, Louis decided that's the way to go. He wants to be the IndyCar driver, and he's making a pretty good fist of it so far. So Louis Foster, another name that you might have heard of, and um, looking at a career in America. But there's no reason why he couldn't go from there doing a successful well, no. to, to, yeah. um to be picked up in Formula One. You know, he's yep. 18. He's Could still. Well, that's what, you know, the likes of, of you know, Colton, Colton Herder and yeah. Patamo Award and uh, Alex Palou, they are looking to come, you know, from IndyCar back um, to, uh, to to Formula One. Yeah, so the Formula Two at the moment, you know, a lot of Formula Two in, in Europe is filled up with people in their third or fourth season. So it, in a way, there's no real standouts this year in Formula Two. I've been looking, you know, who's, you know, we've had this American kid's coming good. Um, he's probably thinking that he should be the American that gets to Formula One. But uh, so, yeah, there could well be. I think the next Formula One driver will come from IndyCar. Yeah. So. Nice. Maybe American, but I don't know. There's, I, I, it'd be interesting who gets the drive, certainly. Um, but I think Ricardo's got to go. I hate to say it, but I think he's got to go. Make way for someone else. Um, NASCAR. NASCAR. Yeah. There was a bit Good of Marty wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> At least there's always some. It wasn't the best race again, New Hampshire. It was. It's a quite a flat oval, so they can't in so much side. But there's some good racing in between some drama. But um, Christopher Bell, who hasn't won, he's become the 14th different winner this year in NASCAR. I mean, you think of other formulas where one or two people win all year. Um, and of course, at the end of the year, they have their shootout playoff thing, and only the top 16 are in that. Um, so there's now 14 slots have been grabbed and only two people are left to, to be promoted on points alone. So it's all sort of exciting there. But no, the highlight from that story, <laughs> Austin Dillon, when the pace car, safety car came out, and he obviously must be, for some reason, he was slightly upset with the driving of, of one uh, Brad Keselowski. So on the cruising under safety car, he decided to just run up the hill, just to bash into Keselowski with his front right wheel into Kozlowski's door, sort of reasonably softly, but hard enough, to which Brad, who's not known to take things like, he decided he would retaliate with a rather larger amount of force down the hill, smashed into uh, Austin Dillon. Uh, and then they had a bit of more barchy-barchy. And this is the way NASCAR drivers sort out differences, you know, there was this, this is what happens. Kozlowski actually recovered to finish seventh, and uh, Dillon ended up lapped down in 23rd. Would you jeopardise your race just to get a bit of road rage out of the way? Well, just, just let's just you know, look, boy. Don't muck about with me, boy, or I'll doubly muck about with you. In fact, it was actually a real bit of tension uh, in the middle of it. Ross Chastain, who twice has now put Denny Hamlin off the 11 car, one against 11, uh, was dicing for about five laps side by side. They're all going, you know, because um, Chastain was on the inside. So one small accidental slide up the banking would have put... Um, Hamlin in the wall again. And this is what they do. That's what they do. Anyway. So rate, rate, other than that incident, rate the race on a scale of one to 10 in terms of excitement. It was about a five out of 10. It was, sort of, it was good that we had a new winner. Standard NASCAR then. Is that what you're saying? No, it's not. It's the, as, the, as standard, oh, above, average, than five. above average NASCAR is what you're saying. Uh, below average. Below average NASCAR. <laughs> Sorry, NASCAR. Um, right, just down the road in New York. Um, not really New York City, but, but kind of New York backdrop. <laughs> 
the Docklands. Yeah, was, we had the camera. The camera's always trying to get Manhattan in the back of shot. The fact that it's over the river or whatever, and um, <laughs> but it was not formal, really formulary. It was formulary. So electric racing, and it's quite interesting looking at this and following it, and people in the comments saying, you know, quite rightly saying, are these faster than Formula One cars? And <laughs> uh, yeah, what are the similarities? And you know what? There's not much similarity. The great drivers. But yeah, brilliant drivers, but all, all running to a computer program. Oh, it's so and it boring. depends which team's got the computer program right. But of course, it ended in we're talking about drama this week. This is our theme, really, it's dramatic moments in motorsport <laughs> rather than great races. And when this torrent of rain came out, and, and three of the top four just went straight on at the end of the straight, Nick Cassidy yeah. with just horrendous aquaplaning. And they just slammed the brass. Of course, the red flag came out quite rightly, uh, but it was still 10 minutes to go. So there was a bit of controversy in standing around and a couple of Jaguar drivers, particularly Sam Burb, were pretty miffed. When are we going to restart? No, we're declaring the race. And because it was red flagged, it would go back two laps from when the crashes happened, which means that the three guys in the barriers took the podium places. I think only two of the three. Um, so so remind, it was bizarre, remind me what the governing body of Formula E is? Uh, the F, F and the I and the A. I can think of lots of <laughs> words to use in there, the F's and the A's. And I don't know where they found this rule. I mean, certainly in qualifying, if you cause the red flag, you don't, you get your times to lead, you go to the back of the grid. And I always thought in motorsport as well, if you cause the red flag, you're out of the results. Now, I know Aquaplaning was bad luck, I and mean, obviously the leaders hit it first, so that was just unfortunate, but they were the ones in the wall, and people behind them uh, managed to stay on track. And How can you right. win a race that you crash? out of and you can't continue in. How can, was, how is that possible? Some, was there some theory that the red flag was almost thrown a millisecond before they crashed, therefore they didn't crash under any of I don't know. But yeah, you've got to restart a race or, or remove the people. I think in the old days you had to sort of, it was the famous James Hunter, the British Grand Prix, but talk about 1976, we're talking about the weather this weekend, you know, how it's so hot, 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 and we're all going to die, die, die. But in 1976, um, I lost the Formula 4 2000 championship because it was so flipping hot. I remember that. My car <laughs> boiled its engine regularly. The 76 Brandsatch, of course, was the first quarter crash, and James Hunt came into the pits, the back of Brandsatch pits, and didn't complete the lap on the track with his heart damaged car. So it was excluded because it said you have to finish the lap. I think that's the same in any red flag. You know, if, you, if you can't drive round and finish the lap under the red flag, then you can't restart and you can't be counted. Absolutely. So, should, anyway. Should, surely that should be common sense, but there's not much common sense, it seems, with the FIA these days. Yeah. So Nick Cassidy won. I think it was his first win. So he won it with a completely destroyed car. Um, Felix de Costa cruised the win on the day two. It's quite processional. He, he came through to win from Stoffel van Dorm. In fact, Stoffel van Dorm got third. He was also crashed. So maybe one of the people that crashed and survived, Stoffel van Dorm got points, and he added those to another second place on day two and he now leads the championship um with just two rounds to go london the end of july i think seoul in august but i think seoul fixtures still a bit iffy so um two rounds to go in the form of e and about four drivers mitch evans eduardo mortaro in with a chance one driver that won't be around before we next year alexander sims who i really respect a brilliant driver um the, the sad thing is he's a real electric car advocate he's a big into you know the future and looking after everything um but he just hasn't managed to gel with driving a formula eco he was a bmw factory driver about two or three years ago i think he's had one win but he just says he can't get on with it and he wants out 
he wants to go back to racing real cars. He was a real star in GT racing. You know, he, he was, of course, he was driving the Corvette team at Le Mans as a third driver and was taken out with leading by that uh, wandering LMP2 car. So Alexander Sims has had enough of Formula E. But I we've always said it. We've most always of said us, it. Most of us have. Yeah, we have. It's just so frustrating. because it's not, it's, They're brilliant drivers, and I get what, what they were trying to do or are trying to do, but it's just, you, as a driver, you want to race, and, and, and there's a clue in the title. Well, as, as a spectator, you want to watch. But yeah, you, you, they, they just go between wall to wall. You can't, I mean, 90% of the track, you cannot be seen by spectators. They have these little grandstands. It's all bizarre. But even on the TV, Tiff, which is where most of us will watch our motorsport, you, you, it's rubbish. It's like, wee, wee. <laughs> they can't go, wah, wah, don't change gear. It's just, wah. Actually, uh, Mitch Evans, we do have to say, drivers, there was a moment he tried to overtake someone, forget now who, he hit a bump. The most amazing recovery I've that. ever seen. Oh, the thing yeah. just went under braking and he tanked that the other way. And he sort of drifted into the runoff area and managed to keep it pointing in the right but, direction. But again, I watched that a few times. So for those who didn't see it, so as Tiff said, he hit a big bump and it got it all out of shape. But a Formula One car would have carried—I don't know whether it was the extra weight in on the on the Formula E car—but the Formula One car would have carried on sliding with the momentum and probably gone in the barriers. Um, but it stopped so suddenly. Did you notice that? Well, he's only doing about 100 miles an hour. Don't forget. Yeah. Okay. They're not doing 200 miles an hour. <laughs> this is always the thing when they launch. They launch the new Gen Four, Five, Six, like Gen Three, the next car. You know, it's incapable of 200 miles an hour, and all the. Twitters and the people say, oh, this is great, I'll do 200 miles. No, they won't do 200 miles an hour, not around those ridiculous tight circuits. I'll do oh, about... What the top speed is uh, that's recorded on any race in any form I of... I think New Mexico, I think, I think I do about 120. I think that's, I think no. that's the most... I think that's the fastest speed I think I've ever seen. They might no. do it in qualifying, of course, but in the race, of course, halfway down the straight, they're lifting and coasting because they need to conserve their power. Hang on. The, the, do you think the highest speed achieved in a Formula E race this whole season is 120 miles an hour? There, there I think so. Yeah, I think so. Wow. I'm happy to be wrong. So 121 miles an hour up that hangar straight in my catering <laughs> on GPS, 125 horsepower. Yes. <laughs> we, we have to fact check that. Please fact check. We don't tell lies on love cards. We just spread rumours. We don't know who <laughs> yeah. makes them up. Formula E, I, I think the drivers are some of the best in the world. The cars look fantastic. It just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. But there you go. Who cares? Who cares about my opinion on Formula E anyway? Um, look forward to Alexander Sims. Looking forward to you back in GT, IMSA, something exciting. And good for you to stand up and say it's not right for you. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but let's go to Donington Park. And I still can't believe these guys on two wheels... I came down Craner's Curve on the uh, yeah. Now you're driving around World, yeah. World Superbike, so it was a, yeah. The drama there, no real drama. But top rank Razgatliogu had a hat trick of wins to bring himself back up. He's the reigning champion, but he's been falling by the points, and so he's now up to third. He's getting closer. But it's the same three riders every every week. I don't think anybody else has been on the podium hardly. Um, he won three. Jonathan Ray had a second and two thirds. Only Suzuki and Alvaro Bautista fell off race one the championship leader and had a couple of seconds to recover there was a bit of bitchiness going on in motorbikes as well a bit like nascar which i like the scott redding who, who was who's bautista's taken his ducati ride so scott wasn't doing that well with ducati the last couple of years i think in world superbikes had a win or two um so he was bitching for them because bautista's he's only winning all these races because he weighs 60 kilograms and he's very small 
It's obviously it's a bit embarrassing to him now that a Ducati rider is leading the championship. Uh, Scott, well, Scott is a big lad. It's always held him back when he's in Moto3. You know, he was just too big in the wind. You know, yeah. this is the trouble. Moto3 gets all these tiny little Spanish riders that are, and Italians, which is a bit of a shame because it's almost like, you know, if, you, if you're a big lad, you, you might as well give up trying to be a Moto GP rider because, you know, literally your physical size is, is a problem for the drag and not your weight is a problem on the bike. I mean, Scott's calling for bikes to be weighed with riders, which is what we do in cars, yeah. which I don't think happens at all. I don't think it happens in Moto GPs at all. But anyway, so Scott, because he must be laughing, because he got a podium, his first podium with a BMW, because Bautista crashed his Ducati. So there was a double, double whammy there for Scott, laughing, he's enjoying his podium, I'm no doubt. And do you know how old Toprak is? 21. No, he's 25. He's a bit older than I thought. Yeah. I thought he was... I well, he's been around for a while. Yeah, he's, he's longer than you think, actually. I read up a little bit about him. You know, Yamaha, he'll be in, in, in uh, MotoGP next year. They're talking. Okay. Yeah, good stuff. But, but Donington, crikey. Just nuts how these guys... Are, or any circuit <laughs> on, those, on those bikes. It's just incredible how they do it. It really is... Um, they're, they're, they're different breeds. Love watching them. Love watching them. Yes. Um, also, the same with anything that is exciting. It's well, like I love IndyCar, you know, on boards of Toronto, snaps of oversteer with a concrete wall right next door to you. That's what makes me, you know, jump out of my chair, you know, not going around Paul Ricard with a bit of understeer, you know, and then we're going on to track limits. You know, it's that I need to be excited. The problem is modern cars make us all soft and, and you watch it and you think that's so easy and you almost think I could do right. that. Yeah. Reality is you couldn't, or um, no. maybe you could back in the day, but um, um, but modern cars. So that's when you see the indie car and you see and you see them struggling oh, and you see yeah. them. It just you think, wow, these guys these guys are great drivers, and uh, it just it's, it's almost the um, unachievable tiff when when we, the, the armchair viewer um, thinks that Formula One is so easy. The amount of people that comment, <laughs> I could do that. I could do that. No, you couldn't, mate. No, you couldn't. Which is why, with my very well, my Top Gear debut in 1987, I deliberately made the car go sideways. Even back then, you know, it was a Formula First racing car, a very Top Gear debut, when, when um, Chris Goffey broke his ankle and couldn't drive it. So even before I did the film, I thought it looks a bit boring sometimes. So I deliberately chucked it sideways. And so and that's what I've been held with i think people i thought being on television i get more drives professionally in, in circuit racing i think people watch me going sideways on telly thinking he's, i'm not employing him fair play to chris anyway, harris he always acknowledges that you were the the uh, first the founder of the, of the sideways drift which is uh, respect <laughs> him. um so next weekend or this weekend coming up beg your pardon formula one's back as yeah. we said at paul ricard the, the bit of a dull fest circuit in terms of uh, plenty of runoff um formula two's there as well IndyCar heads to Iowa. Track, track limit drug. Get, get your glasses on to get rid of the psychedelic uh, phrase. <laughs> um, where's NASCAR? Uh, IndyCar, Iowa. NASCAR, Pocono. Pocono. It's a little triangular track, a weird oval, which is quite a challenge. I can't remember. It's a good race. I mean, need to make notes of which tracks in NASCAR cause the best races, because there's definitely some do and some that don't. Um, um, and then no, nothing in British. Brands, British Superbikes are Brands Hatch. So another, well, big hill, G- another big hill to uh, contend with on two wheels down the path. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, the, on that long circuit, I mean, fabulous track, but the, the, the full, full old Grand Prix circuit. The British GTs are off to Spa in Belgium for their, one of their away trips, which they like to have. So and, if you want to and, go to Spa, 
I'd love to go as far. And Brands Hatch got to be one of the best places to watch as a spectator live yeah. as well. Up on the top um, grandstand, you can virtually see well, you can't see the whole track of the of the other circuit, but um, you can see a lot of corners, which is a good place to be. Out in the sunshine, watching British superbikes. Save my phone. Two phone. Someone's picked it up. That's good. The phone, the bell that ends the bell that ends the podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Mind, mind the heat, everybody. Mind the yeah, heat. Yeah, be careful. Or as Please. I used to say, it's a lovely day out. Go and have some fun, but you know, be careful, you know, be sensible. But it's summertime. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.